They say you should never go back to your ex. It's like reading the same book over and over again and you know how the story ends. I'll tell that to Frank Lampard. For him, Chelsea are just too damn sexy. To the big kickoff football show in a week where we all pray for Harry Kane. Frank Lampard returned to Chelsea and a Champions League spot for Newcastle is surely only theirs to lose now. My name's Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by David Bugle and Neil Dobbs from thebigkickoff.com. And Neil, Frank Lampard is back in the Chelsea hot seat. Is it a good move for him and the club? It's a brilliant move for Frank Lampard. It couldn't be a better move for Frank Lampard. I actually, I saw him in the crowd the other night when they were playing Liverpool and I thought, that's odd that they're panning in on him now. Is there something going on? Mm. And then the rumour started, you know, Frank might be going back to the end of the season, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, unbloody. He must think it's Christmas. He literally must think it's Christmas. To land the job of that profile at the club he loves, he's, he's, he's still high goal scorer. You know, he was a legend. You know, they they span uh spanned across the super Frankie Lampard uh flag in the background and everything was going well for him. So yeah, I mean look for him, brilliant for Chelsea, absolutely bamboozled by a decision like that. Can't understand it. He had his go, it didn't work out. He seemed to fall out with the kind of season pros, the guys that you'd expect to have your back. Went to Everton, really didn't end well at Everton, relegation battle and ended on a kind of a sour note. Um, and yeah, just incredible that uh, to go back again and get that kind of opportunity. Brilliant for him. Just crazy from the club. It'd be interesting where it goes. It's only, I think, something like nine games, Dave, but they've got the Champions League. You discussed it earlier on. What happens if he goes on and wins the Champions League? Yeah, Robert, like Roberto Di Matteo, like so without a shadow of a doubt, it's a funny one because there's rumours that Enrique was in... Um, keep going to say Jose Enrique, Luis Enrique is in London to have talks with allegedly Chelsea. There's even rumours of Conte being remotely interested. So by all accounts, it literally is for the nine games. Um, So it might be a shrewd bit of business for Chelsea, but deep down, it can only be a fantastic lifeline for him because if he shows some kind of stability for Chelsea, sneak into a European spot, and if he does the unthinkable, with the Champions League, regardless, even if he's let go, he's going to be a a top target for other clubs. So it's a fantastic opportunity for him to get his reputation back in the mix to, to be, um, to be fancy for other gigs. But at the same time, if he is to get them a bit further up the table and creep into the European spots and win a Champions League, like the clamor for him to stay will be, will be incredible, but that's highly unlikely. Not at all, but like you never, this game is mad. (laughs) This game is mad. Let's be honest. But at the same time, if he can be remotely stable and creep them up to, say, I'm looking at the league table here, creep them into the seventh spot for a conference league, even pull off an unthinkable and do Real Madrid, that'd be a big thing for him. That can only help his reputation. It's a win-win for him, in my opinion, for him, unless it, co- like, unless it completely c- continues to go P-Tong for Chelsea. But by all accounts, according to the upper echelons in Chelsea, he is not the future. It is very much just... Steady the ship, keep it going, keep it moving, keep the the heartbeat ticking, and uh, the big boys will be in in the summer. Nagelsmann as well. So, um, but for him, it could be a massive, massive chance to get back into that Premier League mix. Neil, what do you think of 
Frank Lampard as a manager, how do you think he has settled into that kind of position from playing football? Yeah, it's interesting because like he cut his teeth with Derby County. He seemed like, you know, a guy that invested in youth. He brought in a few players. Like he's already said something about Mason Mount not going anywhere and he'll get the best out of him. So you can guarantee he's going to be starting the front and centre now for the next few weeks. Um, he seemed to have, you know, his bit between the teeth. He seemed to be making good decisions. And then it just, I don't know, it got away from him. And if I, whatever about when he was at Chelsea, but I remember at Everton, he wanted them to play out from the back. Uh, he wanted to go against the kind of, I guess, the style that Everton are accustomed to, that kind of, you know, ferociousness, get the ball forward. I don't want to say long ball, but direct ball and get it forward, put pressure on them. And he kind of went away from that and he stuck to his own principles, more or less to the bitter end, that he tried to get Everton to play out from the back. Now, whether he didn't have the manpower or didn't have the players in between that could link the lines, I don't know, but it just didn't seem to work out at Everton and it really ended on a bad note. Hasn't so worked out for many at Everton though, Neil. So, like, I mean, yeah. when you're judging Frank Lampard, do, do we have to be fair with him and look at the rest of those managers and go, Everton is a, a bit of a problem club. Uh, they think they're bigger than they are and yet they seem to be always floating around down there. Yeah, well, I'm trying to give him credit in one regard insofar as he tried to change the way that Everton played coming from a Rafa Benitez side that was very negative to a t side that he tried to open up the, I won't say expansive football, but at least he tried to get them playing football. Um, I used to laugh and when they finally pulled it off once or twice, match of the day, used to do little highlights of them with the crowd groaning as they played the ball across the back line. And then all of a sudden, direct ball, two balls forward and it's in the net. And they were kind of saying, this is what he's trying to do. But it just never seemed to fall into place. And as you say, everything seems to swallow managers and good managers at that um, that go there and don't seem to be able to get an extra kind of a, a few percent out of them. Um, and look at Sean Dyche in there now, like he's in the trenches basically with them. So it's not like a seasoned manager could change it. So yeah, maybe he deserves a little bit more, but... To get a shot again at a club of the stature of Chelsea after getting really well, I'm going to say in the relegation battle with Everton, it's just too good to be true. But for me, at least, anyway, and on another side of things, you look at what Potter has done and how he's fallen out and how he has uh, failed to kind of get uh, the, the Chelsea millionaires going and the amount of players going. It'll be very interesting if Lampard over the next couple of weeks can find a settled Chelsea 11 a score in Chelsea 11 and will they react to him and the way he wants to set up be very interesting after five games for example if they begin to get a bit of a goal glut going and they begin to score goals because it's literally the opposite of what they've been doing since Potter has gone in there so as Dave said the door is open for him to, to achieve something and to make a mark and I guess no better place at a club that's underachieving with so many riches yeah Dave Frank obviously thinks Chelsea is sexy I don't remember in recent years, looking forward to watching Chelsea Football Club play. Mm. They haven't been very exciting for me. The, the bog standard, you know, uh, I wouldn't be switching uh, them on. So how does how does how does Frank turn them around and make them appealing to the eye? Absolutely. And that's what I was just gonna just double down on. Did you watch Tuesday? Like it was an awful game. Mm. And that's why I had one or two other opinions because there was things I noticed because the game wasn't that great. And it's like stuff that you shouldn't really be noticing and um you know 
Havertz is just a Rubik's cube. I don't know what's going on. He came with a big reputation. Is he as good as he is? Is he a central attacking midfielder? Is he a wide man? Is he a forward? I don't know who he is. And I don't even think Lampard struggled him. They've no real central striker, which is a massive problem. Did Chelsea think- bring that question up, Dave? Because I think he was a he was a yeah. he, he was a number ten playing in behind the strikers yeah, in Germany. Yeah. But they threw him left right centre. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And he and, and and Lampard would have been guilty of that, like as well. And I'd say there's a certain uh, centre-half at Real Madrid who cannot wait to take them on in two weeks' time or next week in Antonio Rudiger. I'd say Koulibaly should be nervous if I was him because usually somebody from the centre-back line will will be sacrificed in this instance and Mason Mount must be rubbing his hands and going, there's, so you're saying there's a chance again. Um, it'll be a funny one. It really will be a funny one. I, 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 you know, with some of the, the guys that they brought in, Mudrick, he's going to have to tap into him immediately and try and get something out of him. Is he just hot air? Is he just hype? Or is he or is, is he a potential future star? That's what we need to be looking at. And one thing that you could maybe say about Frank Lampard, I'm not his biggest fan. I think he's a... Like, he, the one thing he, I think he's been good at is the younger players. And so he could be a great thing for Mudrick, if you know what I mean. But I think he is a nice a nice soundbite merchant who says the right things, but it's like the actions don't quite match when you see them on the sideline. Like he says all the right things afterwards if they don't play well. He says all the right things if they score or if they play well. But then when he's on the sideline and when you hear some of the things that goes on in the background, you're, I don't know, like is he really willing to do the graft the way your dice is and all? Is he willing, Is he in there at seven in the morning? Is he leaving at seven and nine at night that yeah. most managers have to do? I don't know. I'm, I'm, he probably is. I don't know. But, I'm sure if he was, we'd know about it. You know what I mean? Um, that's that's just where our, our, the likes of him and your Jared's really put in that graft that managers seem to need to have to do. That's the only chance where you might see some of what actually in the fact that two or three go abroad, he might be able to bring him to life a little, a little bit. With the likes of Felix, well, he's he's shown some flashes where you're thinking there is a player there, but let's maybe just focus him down the middle and then maybe bring Mudrick to life and then maybe let Havertz do what he does and sit in a little pocket and try and create danger. I don't know, whatever, but it's it's I'm not holding out too much hope for him to do magic at Chelsea with only two months to go. But if he just somehow shows some kind of positivity, it's going to get him back in the mix. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Neil, Harry Kane, he's recovering from a disturbingly vicious attack from the weekend's match against Everton and our prayers, <laughs> our thoughts are with Harry and his family. Uh, what do you make of all that? Uh, it's just a game that it is at the moment, Roy, isn't it? You're touched, you go down. It, it's almost like VAR has given people a, a license to, to attempt it and yet there doesn't seem to be a repercussion afterwards. So in other words, if it's bad enough and it's a touch and it's a penalty, they give the penalty. If it wasn't a red card, they'll rescind the red card. And But this type of thing, it's allowing players to go down. And I mean, players are going down these times as if they're absolutely shot with a gun. If you watch the Liverpool-Chelsea match the other night, Joe uh, Felix was on the deck every single time someone went near him. And to be fair to the referee, he played on two or three times and he was up like a bullet. So there's no... You know, there's no bad feeling towards it. None of the commentators, no one ever mentions the fact that these lads, and they mean, there's a massive roar. They're holding their leg. And you genuinely to think, well, we really caught them. And then you look at the replay, not even a contact on them, not even a hair's breadth. So Harry Kane, obviously the golden boy. 
he goes down. You know, if you watch the Monday Night Football, Neville was trying to do this grapply hand that went into his eyes, the two fingers in each eye, whereas Carragher was kind of saying, now, if my kid went down like that, I'd get him into the car and say, what are you doing? You know, get a grip of yourself. What are you at? It was disgraceful. And they have a little moment. I don't know if you've seen it where Seamus Coleman was leaning over him. And they were saying, I'd love to know what Seamus, of all people, because Seamus Coleman was also a bit of a nice guy. What would he have said huh. as he's lying on the ground? I'd love to know what it was. But went down too easy, made a show of himself, grabbed the face. But it's allowed this day and age. It's just not even frowned on. And everyone's saying you can't strike out. So how do you change people's opinion on that? Dave, it's a, it's a funny one because there's a lot of people highlighting Harry Kane in this instance yeah. here. But this is happening week in, week out with, with, we'll call them foreigners of the game, but not only foreigners of the game, other players. So is it just is it just yeah. because Harry Kane is who Harry Kane is and, and it's more of a surprise? But in actual fact, when you look at football in the Premier League, this happens every single game on a number of occasions. All you do is look at Bruno Fernandes jumping around the place. There is no appetite from the Premier League or anyone to stop this. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing, and that's why I said what I said in terms of like the only coverage is all tongue in cheek, and it's a bit of a skit on a soccer AM show where they do let's all laugh at diving and they pick yeah. one instance, and we all know what it is, but no one ever goes, geez, that was like that guy should be that guy should should have a chat with himself, or hopefully the manager talks to him when, especially the ones where you can blatantly see there's about a half a foot, and you can see the blatant dive, and they just brush it over no matter who it is this has been around for years i don't agree with the fact that it's got anything to do with far it's been around for about 15 20 years strong in the premier league obviously they blame the foreigners but that's long gone now it's football in general and as neil mentioned in our text back like it you even see at the schoolboy level and it just doesn't get mentioned i think the reason why harry kane's getting the stick is because he has a book of uh work on this we all know he likes to back put the back in and once he feels the touch he goes down he goes down easy for a big, and he's been doing it for his whole career. Do I have a problem with it? Not necessarily because he's not the one and only. Every club has four or five of them. It's it's rampant. And what Damien Duff used to do. He was a pro. Exactly. It's it's part of the game now. But it just when it's really bad, it's like it doesn't even happen. And the, the dreaded C word. Once they see contact. Now, personally, if you ask me about Monday night, as soon as he put his hand on his face, I knew he was in trouble regardless. So yeah. no matter what Kane did, I'm I'm not advocating what he did and I'm, I'm not in the least but I agreed with the, with the sending off but we all know it wasn't enough because he kind of went that way and then he really went the other way and then did the dive and then of course Scrappy Doo was in his ear he probably knows where his family are from out in the west of Ireland he says you brought shame to your family out there Harry you swine or God knows what he said to him but no doubt in your family exactly yeah. <laughs> a plague on your houses um so something like that but it look it, 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 it's just I don't know the answer but I think every now and then footballers are sheep lads like for example the draft excluder thing behind the wall like name me the top three free kicks of where the ball went under the wall yeah, yeah you don't true. you haven't a clue it happens yeah. once in a blue moon and it's a stroke of genius now they all do it and then the last one I knew I'd get this in after several weeks the other thing that they follow on now because it's clickbait genius do you know where this absolute whirlwind of a, an Einstein player who grabs the ball but he's not taking the penalty and they all think he's brilliant and he's, he's shielding and he's getting this you're like, oh, sorry I'm going to say it fuck off 
you know it's it's been done once and it was clever now they're all doing it and oh he's brilliant oh he's genius or when it's kieran trippier he's the the biggest uh, genius of them all because he's english but it's been around for a long time and it's just it can easily be done if you can sway them like this is frowned upon now and we, we this shouldn't be done anymore but i just think coverage just needs to be a little bit better once in a while like if, if one of them it, like if they're bad they're bad you know, this is going back years. Even Bale with Spurs, there was one in Anfield where he was a good yard away from whoever it was and fell, and it was just re- dead, dead air. You know, um, it happens too often. I don't, I don't think they need to be chased with pitchforks, but just once in a while, go, geez, that's a bit embarrassing today. I'd, I'd feel sorry for him now, and I hope he gets plenty of stick when he gets back. And slowly but surely, it might happen. But my little, well, you, never hear them, you never hear them after a game like the, yeah. the interview, or Nothing. they never turn around and say, geez, that wasn't that. That, that was an awful dive there that you did at the end. There was no contact. Why yeah. did you feel the need to go down? They never do that. So, like, yeah. I mean, surely they should... And show them the video. You know, yeah. they, they never shame them at all. No, both managers, Both managers come out after the game and said they thought it was a red because you can't do that. You can't put your hand in his yeah. face. But, yeah, Carragher and Neville both went on a little mini, yeah, I support him, and yeah, I don't. So they had the, the yin and the yang of it. But do you think because it's Harry Kane with that profile... And showing them in that light going down that easy. Do you think that will actually highlight and kind of go, okay, this is an unacceptable? Was that what they were trying to do for a change? I think Gary Neville's no. trying to get the price down for the summer, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it needs to happen on a more consistent basis. And uh, like like I said, that game was that bad on Tuesday. There was other things I noticed. And as, as you said, Neil, and I'm glad you mentioned it, Felix, like he smelt blood because it's, like he's a Simeone disciple when you think about yeah, it. He yeah, knows yeah. how to. But as soon as Fabinho got booked, it was like he was around him for about 15 minutes afterwards. And he went down three or two or three times when he was yeah. around Fabinho. And I was like, he's going to walk here. He's going to go. But yeah. what if one of them is a blatant dive? And I was like, what What do you do then? Like if one of them is a blatant dive and he gets sent off and it's unlucky and it happens, right? Referees make. And I'm like, you're only going, what can happen afterwards? Can the next day, just, yeah. can, there be a, can there be a new sighting panel going, oh, I actually never touched him? I, if, like, can you rescind and at least I'm not going to be punished with a suspension and maybe that might help the situation or you know if there's not going to be a flood of citations after games maybe it could be a case of listen if you appeal this we'll look at it but if you're yeah. wrong and you are fouled it's another game ban so not yeah. just everything is being sent in so maybe there's a bit of a, a roulette to be played but I don't know what can be done but just once in a while just a little bit of coverage I think they're afraid to sully the product you know everything let's go on about how brilliant things are but let's let's be honest this is world football it's not Premier League but I'm glad you said I was just about to come out off, off, exactly. off my tongue there it's exactly. everywhere yeah, yeah but it's is. everywhere the thing is just... if you even look in uh, we're here in Ireland you hear, look at Gaelic football it's crept into Gaelic football now so it's oh, going 100%. in everywhere unless yeah. you put a deterrent in there it's going to go on and go on and people think they're going to get something out of it so yeah. it's very, it, very yeah. difficult to police something like that Roy I mean it's, of course, it, it happens at every minute of every game to police yeah. it properly you would literally have to come down on every tackle but you don't have to do it everything. during the game you can, you can do it after the game yeah it would be great to see yeah it would be yeah. a bit of a sight and panel or committee or something that can look at yeah. certain instances you know okay right well we're all on the same uh, line there we want to get that out of there we're, we're sick of it and it's a, it's it's embarrassing really and, and uh, on exactly. this one Harry Kane is, should be embarrassed and his whole family should be embarrassed and should hide away <laughs> for a while <laughs> and, and end, up, lower and end up in Manchester in the summer. there you go <laughs> <laughs> we get him on the cheap yeah <laughs> okay uh, following a, a great victory against Manchester United 
West Ham were on the thumping of a 5-1. Well, it was a mauling really, Dave. And for Newcastle now, it's starting to become really realistic now. It really is in their hands. 100%. And to be honest, um, we never probably have touched on it over the last week or two. But if you had asked me a week or two ago, who do I think is going to slip into that top four with United, City and Arsenal, I was always going to... I always had a feeling for Newcastle because with Isak coming back, um, there'll be the competition for Wilson, who you never know whether he's going to be fit or not. And then obviously Isak looked like he was decent because that's all they seemed to be missing was the goals. And if you were either going to get goals from him or Wilson, that would be the difference. And of course, now they're scoring. And and obviously they scored five uh, the other night. So I definitely... Th- and now they're probably going to be favourites potentially for even third because as you can see, they're, they're better goal difference on United, which I alluded to after they got hammered by Liverpool. But it's just... Um, it's theirs for the taking. You, the, the game in hand on Spurs. Obviously, Brighton are trying to get back in the mix, and they've got Spurs at the weekend, so they're probably the only other ones who can maybe get into there. But um, yeah, like if Spurs were to overtake either United or Newcastle, I'd be very, very surprised. But definitely Newcastle are, are in the driving seat, even ahead of United at this stage. Yeah, I'd agree so too. Neil, who, when you look at Newcastle, who impresses you from that Newcastle side? Who do you think is someone that is going to go on to seasons of uh, high level? Yeah, seasons of it, Roy. It's, it, it, I'm looking at the squad here to start. We're, we're talking about Isaac, and yet Wilson started and Wilson scored, and he came out after the game and kind of went, I felt it was put up with me today, that the, as in put up to me, that the manager put yeah. me in to go, Go on. If you want to prove yourself, prove yourself. And my God, he proved himself. So it just shows that healthy competition brought him on. But Wilson would have been a guy you might have looked at to bring them to the next level. Whereas Isaac, at the last couple of games, you've seen him. He has something special in him. Really, really quality player. So he's someone I think they'll build it around. Obviously, Gamaris in the middle is top notch. But like, it's funny when you look at the Newcastle 11 to start the other night. Sam Maximum, I think, is, is top class. When he moves, he just brings electricity to the game. He's someone you want to see, especially as, a, um, I'll say, a neutral supporter when I watch Newcastle. But Jesus, he's fantastic to watch. But like, you look at Bourne, you look at Joe Linton, you look at Longstaff, Murphy. They're not like household names. They're not guys you'd be thinking, oh, yeah, if Newcastle weren't having the money that they have, you wouldn't be thinking in the summer we really need to go for that guy. But just as a group, they just seem to have gelled and they're bringing something to the Premier League at the moment that you're only really used to seeing the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal bring that kind of relentless attacking. They're they're absolutely ferocious going forward. They're fearless. They're very, very brave. They've all the great accolades at the moment that Jeez, you, you can't believe what you're seeing sometimes for, I don't want to say they're a very average looking side. On paper, they're average names. They're not names you're you're calling out every week. But when you see them on the field, they're absolutely fantastic. And I mean, I'm sure David agreed with me. You, you take their midfield, even though it doesn't look yeah. as sexy as we're saying tonight. Joe Linton, Gamaris and Longstaff. What they bring to your team is unbelievable. Um, and that's, that, that's the difference for me. But I guess the long starting ones in the kind of spine of the team as we always kind of say in the show would be Botman, Gamaras and maybe Isaac up top would be stand out for me at the moment and you just keep building slowly but surely but if they get that Champions League maybe that brings their project forward a year if not a year or two that they can spend a little bigger and line up a couple more big names to go in there Dave? Yeah 100% and uh, I think Trippier has been a revelation as well like that's a bit of a big name to kind of you know, you, players want a bit of a, a satisfaction and he's been really good. But 
I suppose the back line deserve something together. I know he's mentioned Botman and Shar, but they've only conceded 20 goals in 28 matches in the league. That's phenomenal. Like Arsenal and City have 27 and 26 and no one else is close. Like they're giving nothing away and now the goals are coming in. And as Neil said, Wilson was obviously given the the test and he and he's risen to it. I think the only thing that can stop Wilson is, is himself, you know, because he picks up the niggles and Isak being there has just been a, a great rocket for him to kind of get going. Um, I wouldn't really mention anyone else individually because I think as a unit they're just incredibly impressive so that's what's going to be potentially interesting over the next season or two with Eddie Howe because he'll want to bring in a, a level of player to go up and will he be able to maintain that team spirit because it's quite obviously there Um, so that's where he's going to earn his money can he keep it going but bring up the standard of player in order to really hit the heights and challenge Arsenal City and that'll be predominantly all on him to be able to make that happen and that's what's going to be an interesting thing to look at over the next season or two because so and far that's, it's been that's where it's going to come in now isn't it yeah. because it's it's recruitment to seeing it like yeah. you, you talked about it before with Liverpool it's recruitment that is the big thing looking behind the scenes yeah. knowing what the personality is about yeah. Neil if 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 they get that right, it doesn't have to be big money players. It can just be quality players who have the right attitude and yeah. have the right focus. Look, right. Look at the Red Bull franchises, the way they recruit players. They have guys on the radar. Look at Brighton, even in the Premier League. They have guys on the radar before they become huge players. You need to find the Enzo Fernandez before he becomes a £100 million player. And when he's a £15 million player at Benfica, there's a lot of clubs in Europe that do it and do it very, very well. As I said, Brighton on their own doorstep, they seem to do it better than anyone at the moment in the Premier League. There was a time when Leicester used to recruit really, really well in the £20 million and then sell them on so Newcastle don't have the problem now which is a brilliant issue I was going to say a problem which is a brilliant plus point for them that people are coming in taking their best players so all of a sudden San Maxima where you would have looked at him two years ago going what top side is he going to go to you're not looking at that anymore Gamares would have never lasted the end of this season for Newcastle and now he's protected so they just need to be shrewd they need to be looking at the, the 20 to 30, maybe 20 to 40 million pound mark players that are going to come into that side and add quality. And interestingly, no one is talking about Eddie Howe being like a custodial manager anymore and he'll bring them on like Mark Hughes did and then they'll bring in a big name. All yeah. of a sudden, Eddie Howe's stock has gone through the roof. There's no, It's all about Eddie Howe's team, the way he has them playing. Um, just an interesting one for you, they were alluding to it on the commentary the other night, the way Newcastle celebrate now after they win a game. They have big celebrations down at their end. They go into the dressing room, loads of photographs. He He's saying it's because he wants them to be used to the pressure and the big nights, and this is the kind of mentality you have. You don't see that very often in the Premier League when you're not one of the top dogs that you feel the will to go out and celebrate and really embrace them kind of wins. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward, Dave, to seeing them in the Champions League next year. Yeah, very much so. And and like that's exactly. Sorry, I just got sidetracked when you mentioned Leicester there, and you said Red Bull because apparently that's who Leicester are rumored to be looking at is the Red Bull management stable across the board. Mm. So uh, it could be somebody that we're not 100% sure of, but uh, yeah, apparently that's who they're looking at, and that's why the rumor of O'Neill to watch them for the last seven or eight games. A bit Frank Lampard, he was one of the heavy rumours. But yeah, watch this space. So there could be a somebody from Austria or the Germanys or someone of this world who's going to come in and try and do a similar type model with Leicester. So that watch this space. That could be fun. 
Interesting. Okay, well, listen, there's been a managerial merry-go-round this year in the Premier yes. League. And looking at Spurs against Everton at the weekend, Dave, they really need to get someone in and, and get someone in quick because yeah. the approach that was used at the weekend didn't change from what the way Conte played. And they were, as, you, as we already talked about, Everton were down to 10 men, but it wasn't Everton who looked like they were down to 10 men. Absolutely not. And more often than not, the number two who stays on will kind of just keep doing what they do. They very rarely have a massive outlook on football than the number one because that's why they work so well together. Mm-hmm. They kind of help reinvigorate. So he's not going to reinvent the game for Spurs. So the quicker they get somebody in, the better. For Obviously, there's a big, bigger long-term project, but you know, if they were to get into the Champions League this year, it would be massive for whoever the new manager is and would help with recruitment because even the battle with with, with, with London is going to be difficult enough if Arsenal are the current Premier League champions. City are going to be who they are. And United, the both United's Newcastle and, and, and Manchester are going to be getting stronger. And then you've got people like Liverpool and Chelsea will dream to get back up there again. So it's quite important that they try and sneak it as best, uh, however best they can. And potentially they're they're the club who really probably need to get somebody in now to just get some kind of a push on the current side that they have otherwise um, they're already going to be kind of behind the eight ball already before the season even starts next year Would you throw Potch in? Do you yeah, go back it, there? Yeah, it's a bit difficult in the sense that the only reason why I thought Pochettino in the first place was maybe to keep Kane happy and to try and keep him there because I think it's back again now and the heavy rumours of United and by all accounts Ten Hag is quite happy that that's who they want to I think he's given it the seal of approval and it's now or never definitely definitely this is the now or never year you can't go anywhere else after this so maybe that's the only reason why I think going for Pochettino like it's very hard to go back Mourinho wasn't the same at Chelsea mm-hmm. you know obviously Lampard's back now so whatever our opinions of Lampard I think it's similar now regardless of what Pochettino I just think it's wrong I think they really need to be luring the likes of Luis Enrique and Nagelsmann as best as they can and fighting hard with, with Chelsea. Well, what about them. Pochettino? Where should Pochettino go? There is oh. obviously the Leicester job. He's he's highly mm. up the leaderboard of, uh, and the bet nods there as well. Would he be better off going to a Leicester? Maybe, but then again, like as Neil said, you never know. There could be a certain German in a bit of trouble if it keeps going the way it is. And, you know, he could might even say, listen, I don't think I have it. So, uh, you know, there could be another gig up for grabs in in the summer. You wouldn't know. Uh, I doubt it, but you can never say never. He might just even say, yeah, I I think there's a bigger job here and I'm not going to be here long enough to do it, maybe. Um, So... Maybe there could be a great gig for, for him in the summer when everyone else has their has their job sorted. So the uh, really because yeah, this is Neil, Neil put this up in our in our notes. Yeah. Klopp under pre, uh, proper pressure now. Um, do you really think that that he is under proper pressure? I don't. I I don't think he's under pressure as in they're going to sack him. I think he's under pressure in the fact that they've ten games or nine games, whatever is left now. And they're really, really struggling. This this reminds me of like a marathon sprinter coming over the line and he, his legs go and he's wobbling that last 100 metres and he's absolutely dying out there. Liverpool feel like that watching them right now. They just, they're stuck in the mud. They, they're absolute porous every time someone attacks them. Um, I don't know how the Chelsea game was in 5-0 to Chelsea the other night. I think Arsenal are going to go to Anfield in the weekend and absolutely maul them. And I don't think for a change, the crowd is going to help that. I don't think there's a whole lot Klopp can do. He's stuck with the kind of hand he has. 
and he doesn't see it's a rinse and repeat he keeps someone said it might have been Carragher that he's playing the same way that brought him success but he doesn't have the players or the enthusiasm or the legs or the atmosphere to bring success and it's a real real hard watch for Liverpool at the moment and that's it just feels like it's going to go on for another eight weeks and it's going to be untenuous almost when it gets to the end of it that people are going to be really really sick of it because they're going to lose a ton of games in the next mm. eight or nine games yeah. but we've seen them have a poor season before Dave and then the next season come back in flying colours so it's, is it a matter of getting to the end of this season and hoping I mean Klopp's a good manager end of yeah. story so yeah. that they change things which is obviously the need if it's the same sort of team and squad then you're going to be you know stupid to think that's going to change so there would have to be big change there but I, for me from my side of things I think if that happens Klopp's obviously good enough to go and, and turn them around yeah without a doubt but I think uh, it was asked to me by one of me you know you mates like when we were on our own and not on the banter like what, what do you think and I said I'll be honest with you lads I think regardless of who comes in in the dream world, your Bellinghams and everyone else that they're rumored to be, if they brought in a couple of midfields, that's not it. You know, I think there needs to be a mixture of that, but I think he needs to start looking at it. I think the 4-3-3, and even if he brought in players that are fresher and younger, I still think it's had its day. It's a bit of a tribute act at this stage, and even the bottom teams are figuring out, not just because we're a poor side or because some of the lads are weary. I just think it needs to be tweaked in a sense. We're far too open, as Neil has said, in the back line. They're too exposed because they're not really, let's be honest, I think it's safe to say now without somebody shouting you down, Arnold is not the best defender. He really isn't, and he's been Finally. too isolated. Yeah, no, but <laughs> yeah, I can say it without somebody going, oh, but he's this, he's that. Even, yeah. the, the, even the lovers of him, can even they have to admit he's a shit defender. You know, he just doesn't smell danger. He he's, always been, he's always been, for yeah. me, a good wing back. That's what exactly. I always thought he would yeah, make. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean let's just change it for him, but I think if they stay with 4-3-3, they need to find somewhere else for him because he can't survive there because, mm. you know, even even though it happened on the left-hand side, you've seen what happened when Robertson made the wrong decision and went in for that press, even though the midfield was near. Van Dijk had to come over, then Kanate had to come over, and then Aaron was in between a couple, and the midfield were all at sea, and, you know, everyone blames a Van Dijk or a Robert or an Arnold, but you can see what happens if somebody makes one decision. They all look terrible. They, mm. they, they're not a cohesive unit. There's no two ways about it. And the protection, like even Man City, as attack-minded as they are, Rodri's a sitting midfielder and he's never far away from that back line and he's always there to help. Yeah. Fabinho, Fabinho was on Chelsea's touchline in the 70-odd minute chasing down a ball and he's regarded as our sitting midfielder. We Liverpool don't have one. It's as simple as that. And the back four have been completely left out on their own. And so should they, they have changed? Terrible. Should they have changed? I'm going to ask Neil this. Neil, yeah. so what Dave is saying there is about tweaking and should they have changed their formation to try and bring out the best in players? So, as you said, like a 3-5-2 maybe, change back up to two centre forwards, have your Robertsons and, and Trents working the line, which they do brilliantly. I pull it this right. Klopp has the person, as in he has the squad that could have changed to a back three quite comfortably. And I think he's had it for quite a while. You have... Um, Trent on your right-sided wing-back, you have Robertson as your left-sided wing-back. It wouldn't be that alien insofar as they would still be doing what they always do. They'd be marauding forward, they'd give me a license to get forward and then a license to stay forward on the basis that you might counter-attack and win the ball. Yeah, so it doesn't feel alien. And it, like, I mean, Dave would be on Liverpool forums the same as me. 
and the amount of times a randomer just shows up and goes any chance Trent can be a midfielder it's it's unbelievable how many times it's asked and then as Dave said how many times it's shouted down so it all comes down to Klopp on his principles I don't know if Klopp has ever at any of his previous clubs played a tree at the back but he doesn't look like he's ever going to try it at this stage because he tried the 4-2-3-1 he tried you know two up top he tried four wide he's trying the box he's trying I think it's not for a lack of trying, but the one thing maybe is the three-five-two. But I'd I'd agree with Dave. It's gone very very stale. It's gone very very predictable. And now you have players that were at their peak. And I'm saying Henderson was at his peak. Fabinho was in his peak in that position. Van Dijk was in his peak in that position. And Trent was as good for an attacking side that dominated and battered teams going forward as you could possibly ask. But now you're not asking them to be on the front foot and press the way they did. Now you're asking them to defend. You're asking them to handle counterattacks. You're asking them to handle, you know, losing the ball high up the field and recover. And they just don't seem to have an answer for it. And again, I'd agree with Dave for saying, if you're the Roger or a Kante or someone like that, their always role is sit there and protect that back four. Mm-hmm. Where their enforcer, which is his Fabino doesn't seem to have the same orders or maybe just can't do it anymore and that's that's the drop off like it's an incredible drop off right from this time last year chasing a quad to this time now where i'm i don't even know where their next win is coming from and that's why i'm not saying i'm panicking i still think klopp is an elite manager you don't let an elite manager walk out your door because man you might regret you don't know who's coming in after him and there's very very few like look look at spurs look at chelsea they can't get an elite manager in place and they've got money to burn chelsea do so that's the warning if as you said Roy, allow him a chance to rebuild hopefully he comes with a couple of new ideas new formation new way of playing new way of you know reinventing the team and then give him a shot i do hope it happens but i'm a little bit more worried of what it's going to take out of them in the next nine games to then say, right, draw a line under that and then let's mm. go fresh. Um, just quickly, uh, somebody on Twitter, I don't know if it's a, a reputable journalist or whatever, but I just read it and I was like, that's interesting. But they said, um, you know, if Klopp was to go, it will probably highlight that the FSG owners aren't as good as we all think. And he's been kind of masking the fact that, you know, They've been looking after themselves and not really pumping mm. the money in and they're potentially on the level of the Glazers. And it was only when I read it, I was like, geez, there could be an element of that. And almost a part of me wanted to see him gone just to see is it as true as we think? Because when I read it, I was kind of going, mm, could be right, which is an interesting take um, because every player that came in just struck gold for those two or three years and then Liverpool hit the level. And mm. uh, now that they're struggling, that support isn't quite there for him as, as much as expected. Like we stood still after winning the league and all of a sudden you're going, yeah, maybe they aren't what we as good as we think they are. They're great at making the money, but we're not really seen in the transfer market, so so to speak, at the minute. Well, Klopp yeah. did come out, didn't he, Dave, last week and say finally in a press conference that, look, there is money there in the summer we're yeah. going to spend. Yeah. And he's never yeah, said that. He's always been, oh, that's beyond me and that's nothing to do with me. So the noises are correct. And even more so, as Dave said, you imagine Klopp comes out and kind of he's kind of vouching for FSG by saying that, look, there is a budget, there will be money, there will be players. And imagine then either he walked or he was let go or something happened in between. There'd be uproar. It's either that or he's calling their bluff and it's going to yeah. be a shootout, <laughs> which will yeah. be very interesting in the summer. Um, you can't yeah. hide it now. 
You can't hide it now. Now, there's, listen, there's there's a lot. There's a big challenge there for Jurgen Klopp. There's a big challenge there for Liverpool. There's a big mm. challenge there for uh, Liverpool fans at the moment because uh, being a Manchester United fan over so many years, especially over the last 10, maybe 8, 9, 10, that's the kind of feeling that Liverpool fans have at the moment. That's the way we have been. And yeah. it's a struggle. You know, it's a struggle to go and watch your team. It's a struggle supporting them because you know the performances just are not going to be there. But you're hoping they pull one out like they did against Manchester United. And then you're hoping they'll kick on, but then it doesn't, you know. So it is a it is a bit of a struggle for everyone. And really what Liverpool need is is the summer and a new season to start to uh, to kick tomorrow. off again. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> okay, listen, we're going to leave it there. Um, Can I ask you oh, a quick Neil, question, Roy? Yeah, further away. Just briefly, because I think they deserve a mention. Can Brighton pull it off? Or is it going to be like Leicester and West Ham, like just that bit too short? Because they're they're picking up the results, you know? They are picking up the results. Yeah, they a game, game in, hand. in hand as well, you know? Have you got their games who they have to play, Dave? Uh, I have uh, them here. Like I have them here. Spurs, so there's three points. Uh, Chelsea, there's another three points. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing Manchester United that's the FA Cup they're playing Forest Wolves Manchester United Everton Arsenal Southampton and Villa there is a lot of winnable games there the only thing with Brighton is they haven't been in this position before you always see that and teams that aren't in that position before are likely maybe to panic maybe to lose games or drop points yeah. that they don't, they don't need listen I think it'd be great uh, We I had this conversation on the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast the other day we were talking about Evan Ferguson was he the real deal and should he move uh, in the summer Nathan didn't think so I did think so because I just think that Brighton are going to be that club that are going to get picked off their best players are going to get picked off and they're just going to start sinking so yeah. For, for Brighton, they need to get into the European spots just to. And yeah. then again, next year, you see what happens with West Ham. West Ham are in the quarterfinals of the Europa or the Europa yeah. Conference and now they're, they're struggling badly. So, you know, sometimes be careful, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, that's it. Right, aren't, they, aren't they playing with a kind of a freedom though, Roy? Right? You know, I feel Newcastle have yeah. come over that. You know, when you're playing with a, like a shot to nothing, yeah. Like Brighton literally have nothing to prove to anyone now. They've, they've no. basically won the Premier League in their opinion. Now they just have a free shot at everybody. They can play open football, no negativity. You know, that will bring a hell of a lot of surprise and shock results along the way where yeah. you're going, I can't believe to be yeah. Arsenal. I can't believe to be Man United. And it's almost acceptable because they're just in a great groove. Yeah. yeah. No, I, listen, it, at this season, the way they're flowing now at the moment, it's absolutely possible. Yeah. Absolutely possible. There's no reason why. Super. I would worry about them after this because it's all about the You've mindset. You've got McAllister and Casado and obviously Ferguson, like three or four. This Matoma fellow was banging them in as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah he'll you be said, sought after. Three or four of them will be gone. Well, yeah. they'd love to stick around but when somebody and offers that's what I'm you saying. double the, the money yeah the mindset of the club if the club really want to push on they keep those players and they yeah. add that's yeah. what they do yeah. so uh, any club we see it all the time all these clubs are great until they they see a few quid floated in front of them and then they sell their players and then they drop down so it's, to try and push up into that sort of thing they have to hold on to their best players they have to by the way, by the way I said uh, keep Evan Ferguson at uh, Brighton right 
You said keep Evan Ferguson in the Pride. I said he should stay there for his extra year. Yeah. yeah. I just hope he plays no matter where he goes. It just depends where he goes, and you want him to play. You don't want to be a you know a second string behind a Harry Kane or behind somebody that would be a sickener. And then the very last court ball, right? Lampard steadied the ship a little bit, does a decent job, and he gets a stock up. Moyes gets the bullet, and he's back at West Ham. Moyes is dead man walking anyway. So allegedly, they came out today and said he he's managing at the weekend. In other words, like. So in other words, you better win. You know, yeah, that's what I felt from it. They're in huge you know? trouble at West Ham. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that yeah, could happen right. there. Uh, who have they got at the weekend? Fulham. Yeah, see, that's... Massive game. Listen, there's no another, another easy games for West Ham now anyhow, so it doesn't matter no, who you say, who are they going to play because who have they got Arsenal after that? Jesus Christ. They're in a bit of trouble <laughs> there, aren't they? <laughs> then they play Bournemouth, which is a relegation battle. That's fine. But then they have Liverpool... Palace, City, East Manchester Street, United man. and Brentford. Uh, who's the last two games? Leicester and Leeds. They could be oh. over by the time they play Leicester and Leeds. I think they're in big yeah. trouble. Yep. Yeah. Okay. okay, listen, we're going to leave it there because we're again going over a little bit of time. Uh, Neil, Dave, thanks very much uh, for you out there. Thanks very much for listening. Again, any comments, throw them in there. If you think Evan Ferguson should stay or go, let us know. Stay. If you think Frank Lampard should stay or go, let us know. And... Uh, We'll talk to you next week.